This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the COVID spike continues. The latest report from the CDC says we've got one of the highest transmission rates in the country. It's so bad that folks in Los Angeles are being advised not to vacation in Florida. The governor's calling on Floridians who are protesting on behalf of the people of Cuba to get out of the street. We can't have that. It's dangerous for you to be shutting down a thoroughfare. You're also putting other people in jeopardy. You don't know if an emergency vehicle needs to get somewhere. And then obviously it's just disrespectful to make people stand in traffic. Ron DeSantis is also facing tough questions about selective enforcement of the state's new anti-protest law. Senator Chevron Jones says the governor doesn't seem to mind a protest as long as he agrees with it. I support what our Cuban brothers and sisters are doing. I support it wholeheartedly uh, that they're out and they're raising their voices. They have a right to but not only do they have the right, the Haitian community have the right, the black community have the right, the LGBTQ community have the right. They should be able to do that without being afraid of the repercussions that might come behind them raising their voices. Senator Jones is our guest today on the Sunrise interview. Speaking of Cuba, the governor's calling on the president to find some way to get the Internet restored in Cuba so the protesters there can get their stories and pictures out to the rest of the world. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr says we have a way. All it takes is the will. The technology exists, and I've seen it. What we need right now in this moment is the political will, bipartisan, across government. We need the the Biden administration to say we are fully behind efforts to bring Internet service into the Cuban people. Two Central Florida cops, a father and son, are now facing federal charges for their alleged involvement in the coup at the Capitol. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events. And today's Florida Man report is a triple feature. One hired a gunman to kill his ex and blame it on Black Lives Matter. One, a former deputy who's going to prison for planting drugs on innocent drivers. And one left his kid in the car while he went drinking in a strip club. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, July 16th. This is National Cherry Day, National Corn Fritter Day, World Snake Day, and Guinea Pig Appreciation Day. On this date in 1439, kissing was banned in England. It was an effort to stop the Black Plague. In 1935, the first automatic parking meter was installed in the U.S. It was in Oklahoma City. In 1945, the U.S. detonated the first atomic bomb at the Trinity site in New Mexico, part of the Manhattan Project. In 1967, fire swept through a prison camp in Escambia County, killing 37 inmates. It happened in the small border town of Jay, which is north of Pensacola, near the border with Alabama. And on this date in 1969, Apollo 11 lifted off from Florida, carrying the first men to land on the moon. Remember back in the day when Ron DeSantis used to do regular press conferences on COVID-19 and like to compare our rates to blue states like California? Well, karma can certainly be a bitch. The public health officer for Los Angeles County is now suggesting that California residents reconsider traveling to states with the worst transmission rates, like Florida. Matter of fact, Arkansas, Missouri, Florida, Nevada, and Louisiana have the nation's highest levels of new coronavirus cases per capita, with weekly rates roughly four to seven times that of California. All five states are considered by the Centers for Disease Control as having high rates of community transmission. That is the uh, fourth tier of the CDC's four-tier scale. The state health department will be releasing the weekly casualty count today. It will show a continued spike in COVID. On one day alone this week, we had more than 6,400 new cases and 71 additional fatalities. 
The governor joins Cuban-Americans in calling on the Biden administration to find a way to restore Internet service and social media access to the island of Cuba. Ron DeSantis says there are ways to bypass the controls imposed by the Cuban government, and he says it's up to President Joe Biden to give the okay. We obviously have to stand with the people of Cuba against the communist dictatorship, and one of the most effective things we can do as a country and we need President Biden to step up to make this happen. And I spoke with the FCC Commissioner Carr on the phone. We can be able to be helpful to getting Internet back onto the island of Cuba. The one thing that communist regimes fear the most is the truth. And if we're able to help Cubans communicate with one another, also communicate to the outside world, uh, that truth is going to matter. That truth, I think, will be decisive. And so, Mr. President, now's the time to stand up and be counted. Uh, I've never seen a community more unified than what we've seen here over the last uh, nearly a week. Uh, So this is a time for choosing. This is a time to stand with the people who are seeking freedom from a brutal 62-year reign of communist oppression. And we're happy to do whatever we can on the state level uh, to be able to, to assist the effort. This is not something that is as easy as saying, okay, next minute it'll be on, but we absolutely can do it uh, if we get quick movement out of the White House. And so, Mr. President, please heed the calls, stand with the people of Cuba in their hour of need. This is one of, I think, the key things that can be done at this moment in time. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr says, we already have the technology to bring the net back to Cuba. All that's missing is permission from the feds. We have today the technological capability to get around Cuba's internet blockade. For decades, we have sent into Cuba broadcast signals from Radio Marti. I visited their facility here in Miami earlier this morning. Cuba doesn't like it. They believe it's a violation of Cuba law. Some international entities say it's a violation of international law. To tell you the truth, I don't give a damn about that. We have the capability to modernize that approach and not just send radio signals into Cuba, but beam internet connectivity into Cuba. The technology exists today. We have voted for it at the FCC to give special authorization to this one company, Raven, to deploy their high-altitude balloons in the wake of a hurricane over Puerto Rico. I've been to Kenya, seen this technology operate in rural and remote parts of that territory. The technology exists, and I've seen it. What we need right now in this moment is the political will, bipartisan, across government, We need the the Biden administration to say we are fully behind efforts to bring Internet service into the Cuban people. Once we get that done, which should happen ideally today, once we get the signal that the federal government is behind this, DOD will provide any authorizations needed. FAA will cover any air rights that needed. The FCC will provide whatever spectrum rights are needed. State Department will deal with the international issues. As soon as President Biden says the federal government is behind these issues, There is not a technological challenge that cannot be overcome. The American free enterprise system developed these technologies, and we can unleash them by giving them the green light at the federal level because the struggle is going on right now in the streets as we speak. 
As the protests continue in Cuba and here in Florida, the governor is facing questions about the new law he championed that is supposed to combat public disorder. HB1 was a response to last year's demonstration by the Black Lives Matter movement after the murder of George Floyd, and the new law includes a specific provision punishing protesters who block streets or public roads. But police and highway patrol troopers did not enforce the law when Floridians blocked roads to show their solidarity with the people of Cuba. State Senator Chevron Jones, who opposed HB1, says the demonstrations over the past few days have shown that their concerns about selective enforcement of the anti-protest law were spot on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you just you you I think you couched it right right as far as the the selective enforcement on it. And uh, I, I watched the report the uh, the interview with the chief from Miami Dade County, and I just it took me back to the, the Black Lives Matter demonstrations that were taking place last summer, and you can see the the differences in the reactions from police officers. Now, granted, HB one was not. It was not law yet, but the conversations of HB1 was law, right? And you look at that and you look at what just happened um, over the course of the last few days, it's unfortunate that there seems to be this double standard. But I do want to say this, right? I'm I'm happy that HB1 is not being enforced. And that goes to show that HB1 is not needed. Everyone has the right to be able to raise their voices. That goes for the Cuban community. That goes for the blacks. That goes for the Haitians and any marginalized group or any group who want to uh, to raise their voice. But I'm looking for that same energy from the governor and from my Republican colleagues the next the next time there's a demonstration that takes place. And. Is there any reason to suspect they will change? Because they were, you know, it's, in fact, even today, the governor said this was not a riot. This was a protest. And there's a difference. And that was a point the caucus tried to make all along. Well, the, the, the governor, the governor, even two days ago, made mention of the, uh, made mention of the fact that uh, these individuals were, were not looting and burning buildings and things of that nature. Well, I invite the governor to go back to the law that he signed when it came to blocking and impeding traffic on streets. Right now, in the state of Florida, because of HB1, that is a felony in the state of Florida. So let's be clear, and even to go further, the the, the fire, the, the looting and things of that nature... That wasn't a huge concern in Florida. That was happening in Wisconsin and Minnesota and New York and Chicago and these other places. It wasn't a concern that was happening here in Florida, and the governor even noted that. He even made it, he made it clear last week, I mean this week, that I mean although those were not issues that we were having in Florida, we still found the need to put forth HB1 to prevent those things. So he, admit, he admitted that himself. So pretty much admitting there's a double standard. Exactly. And uh, are, are you surprised at all about this? Because uh, hypocrisy seems to be the coin of the realm in Tallahassee these days. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, it, the unfortunate part is that you know, the governor is, it, like, like the old folks used to say back in the days, he got caught with his slip down, right? And so, yeah, and so now he's trying, to fit, um, he's trying to fix it up to make it seem as if, well, uh, what, they, what they did is is the reason why, but what 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 what's happening now is just not that. Well, that's not that that's not how we should be governing, especially not someone who is the uh, the leader of 22 million people within the state of Florida. And I repeat, yeah, I I support 
what the 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 cube our Cuban brothers and sisters are doing. I support it wholeheartedly uh, that they're out and they're raising their voices. They have a right to, but not only do they have the right, the Haitian community have the right, the Black community have the right, the LGBTQ community have the right. They should be able to do that without um, without being afraid of the repercussions that might come behind them raising their voices. Governor DeSantis was asked about the hypocrisy of cracking down on Black Lives Matter protests while giving a free pass to the Cuban protest. He claims it's not the same. But DeSantis is calling on people to get out of the streets and stop blocking traffic. We can't have that. It's dangerous for you to be shutting down a thoroughfare. You're also putting other people in jeopardy. You don't know if an emergency vehicle needs to get somewhere. And then obviously it's just disrespectful to make people stand in traffic. But understand, that's been illegal in Florida way before HB1. Uh, it's not something that we're going to tolerate. And I know Marcel and other people, they were out there saying, guys, you got to get off the road. So they did the right thing. The law enforcement did the right thing to clear it. And that's just something that we can't have. There is nothing wrong with doing peaceful demonstrations. And HB1 had nothing to do with peaceful. And uh, Cuban-Americans who are out, pro, uh, who are out demonstrating in Versailles, they're not violent. Those aren't riots. They're out there being peaceful and they're making their voice heard. And we support them and their ability to do that. But it can't be where you shut down commerce or you shut down the ability to use uh, these arteries. It's very important that people are able to get, especially in a place like Miami, where the traffic can be really bad. And again, you never know. Someone may need to get to a hospital or something like that. So I think that message has been received. And I really thank the folks. I know we had Highway Patrol out there earlier in the week helping to clear it. Most of the places around Florida, as soon as those folks were told, they got off. But we've got to keep the roads clear. Cuba demonstrations shut down major roads in Miami-Dade, Tampa, Orlando, and Jacksonville, blocking rush hour traffic in several locations. They even shut down part of the Palmetto Expressway for seven hours, including the afternoon-evening rush hour. Two more Florida men, both of them cops, are facing charges for allegedly participating in the Capitol coup on Insurrection Day. Officer Kevin Tuck joined the Windermere Police Department in May of 2019. He had previously worked for the Longview Police Department for about six years. The police chief says his agency is disheartened by Tuck's arrest, but claims it does not reflect on the hard work of his men and women at the Windermere Police Department. The Orlando Sentinel says the feds have also charged Tuck's son, Nathaniel, who works for the Apopka Police Department. Your calendar of events, the Florida Board of Respiratory Care meets online at 8.30. The nominating commission of the 1st District Court of Appeal holds an organizational meeting at 9.30 in Tallahassee. The Department of Economic Opportunity releases June's unemployment report at 10. A memorial service is being held at 10 in Jacksonville Beach for former University of North Florida President Ann Hopkins, who died during the 4th of July weekend. The State Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 10, and Senate President Wilton Simpson speaks to the Tampa Tiger Bay Club at noon. Prosecutors say a Florida man hired a hitman to kill his ex-girlfriend and her family and then asked him to pin the murders on the Black Lives Matter movement. Investigators say 51-year-old Daniel Slater of Jupiter thought his girlfriend's family had ruined his relationship, so he offered an associate drugs and money to kill them all and asked the would-be killer to spray-paint the words Black Lives Matter on the family home when it was done. That unnamed associate went to the FBI and an undercover agent posed as the hitman. Slater faced 90 years in jail if he had been convicted on all the original charges, but he agreed to a plea deal, 10 years in the federal pen, sentencing is set for September. A Florida man is accused of leaving his kid in a hot car for nearly two hours while he drank inside a Pensacola strip club. The arrest report says the vehicle was not running, the windows were up, and the temperature was 82 degrees. 
26-year-old Carlos Rivera Diaz is charged with two counts of child neglect and a traffic violation. Police say Rivera Diaz was heavily inebriated, showed no remorse for his actions, and seemed shocked that he was being arrested. Finally today, a Florida man who used to work as a deputy in Jackson County has been sentenced to 12 years in prison for planting drugs on innocent people during traffic stops. 28-year-old Zachary Wester was convicted of racketeering, official misconduct, perjury, fabricating evidence, possession of a controlled substance, possession of drug paraphernalia, and false imprisonment. His M.O. was to pretend to smell the drugs and then act like he found the meth or marijuana in the victim's vehicles. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.